0: Good. It's nice to see you guys. Thank you for coming. Whether you are in here in person, it's great to have you, or if you're online, it's great to have you online. Uh, We have a host, Jessica, that should be taking great care of you guys. Um, If you are new, I just want to say first, thank you guys for coming. I know it's hard to check out new places and new things, uh, but we uh, would love to connect with you guys. So if you um, hang around after service, we have a 10-minute party just right in the back Uh, where Jack should be, Lyle should be, uh, some of our leaders should be, and we'd just love to meet you guys, hear a little bit about your story and why you've come to visit us. Also, after that, uh, we have a baptism after service, which is awesome. Yeah, love baptisms. Um, We're also doing some s'mores. We're doing hot chocolate. We're doing uh, cookie decorating for the kids. So stick around, hang out for that. Um, What else? Church of the Week. We have a Church of the Week that we do every week. We're lucky to be part of a network of churches that pray for each other and really invest in each other. Uh, This week, it's New Life Bible Fellowship with Pastor Greg and Pastor John. Um, So yeah, I don't know much about them, but we're definitely gonna pray for them tonight. If you guys are down for that, I'm down for that. So Um, what else? I think that's it. We have a lot of birthdays this month. So shout out to December birthdays, uh, which is cool. Jesus is this coming weekend we're celebrating. So that's cool too. Um, yeah, I'm just going to pray. Cool. Uh, Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, just giving us the chance to worship you, to be uh, together in this room worshiping you. And um, I just pray that we take the time tonight to to kind of let you in and and mess with our hearts a little bit, that you move us and that you um, just uh, speak to us in, in some way tonight, Father. And I pray for... Uh, New Life Bible Fellowship for Pastor John and Greg, Um, just that you are doing great works through them, that they are just doing what it is that that you want them to do, that you are encouraging them, um, that their congregation is encouraging them, and that that they're just loving the city well. Uh, So again, I thank you for tonight. Um, I pray that we have a good time, and it's in your son's name I pray, amen.
1: found us here, glory in the highest, and on the earth be peace, glory to God, the angels sing. Came to tell the Father's love, His goodness and His grace, the brightness of a smile, and see of His face. Glory in the highest, and on the earth be peace. Glory to God, your children say. His name shall be called gifts. So glory in the highest and all the earth be peace. Glory to God the world will see His name shall be called
2: The next uh, next song I want to sing, we're gonna we're gonna sing this together a little bit differently than maybe what we we generally do. And actually, heard this is a, a really popular not popular. This is a carol that all of us know that we've heard for years, uh, ever since growing up. And uh, one of the neat things I just heard about this this carol that really really struck me. Um, it's it's Silent Night, um, and that um, if all of you are familiar with the truce of 1914. Uh, this is kind of an anthem of peace uh, throughout the world. So uh, the story goes and a lot of historians will tell you, maybe they debate a little bit, but uh, trench warfare happening in World War I, you've got the Germans and you have the British. Um, and come Christmas day in 1914, uh, they had negotiated basically a truce um, and they kicked it off. So you have both sides um, basically, you know, have been it's such a brutal and bloody battle. Uh, but come Christmas, uh, they, they sing this song. And so the Germans start off, as a German carol, and, uh, and they start singing it in the trenches. And eventually the British side starts singing Silent Night. And both sides make their way out into no man's land um, and actually have conversations. And some people will, you know, there's, there's uh, write-ups that say they actually played soccer or, or football um, out in no man's land. And that for a moment there, for a day, um, there was peace. And I found it so amazing that, that this carol, um, that these words that are truly embodying the presence of our savior and the redemption story that he sent uh, his son for us. It's really the first steps of redemption is what really Christmas is, right?
3: Um,
2: and so just the acknowledgement of that by so many on a battlefield stopped uh, the battle, stopped the war uh, for a day. And it just reminded me that you know, despite the wars and battles, because I feel uh, right now, man, there's so many wars and battles I feel like each of us are going through. Um, And I'm sure that you all would agree with me, Uh, but we're gonna sing this together. We're gonna sing it. I want you guys to lead this as the congregation. So we're we're gonna start it off in the microphone, but I really want to sing this together, unified with one front Uh, and I pray Uh, that the same presence that pushed back the darkness on the battlefield uh, would push back the darkness. Uh, Maybe that's residing or or the disappointments um, that might be in your heart. So for these next few minutes, we're going to sing this carol together. And I just, I want to be at rest uh, with all of you. So we're going to sing Silent Night. Does that sound good? Church will be reminded tonight that for every single one of us, your son Jesus was born on this mission, this beautiful mission of redemption, of grace. And despite the battles and the wars that might rage around us, whether they be relationships or, or jobs this Christmas, Maybe the disappointment of losing a loved one or maybe we were on a mountaintop and we've been so blessed this year Father collectively tonight wherever we're at we want to gather around the manger and acknowledge the beautiful miracle that is your son who died for each and every one of us And then on Christmas, we celebrate the first step towards the redemption of your people, of your children. So I pray that you would breathe that into us tonight, that we would breathe into that reality, that you are so good. So good. Speak to us in this place. We want to be more like your son. We love you. You're so worthy of our praise. Let us, let us adore you. Give us a heart of worship, a heart that adores you. We love, we love you. We look forward to what you're going to do in this place tonight and through this season, Lord. Teach us.
4: Amen. Thrilled to, to have you here and worshiping with us. Just a beautiful moment to, to linger. Uh, my hunch is, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the room, there's a little bit of hustle and bustle that's beginning to ramp up uh, in your life, um, maybe with the, this season as... as um, As Gabe said, there's a a mix of emotions that come around this season, Um, and whether that's a low and a challenging moment that maybe you're wading through, or maybe it is a delightful moment and a moment filled with great joy, um, in the midst of all of those, we pray that uh, Jesus would be real to you. Uh, I know how many of you are the type of people that your gift shopping uh, gets done before Thanksgiving uh, for Christmas? Perfect. So all the normal people are here. So the normal people, you're still shopping maybe for a few gifts. I know Amy and I were out yesterday trying to sequester a few last-minute things and fill up the list of what we're going for. And gift-giving is a beautiful part of Christmas, and it's a nice uh, in- endeavor to kind of let people know you love them, you care for them, and that you're thinking of them. But what we want to do this Christmas season, we've been in this series called The Gift of Christmas, is to remember that real, true gift, the gift of Jesus, that the gift gift of Christmas is Jesus. He really is the reason for the season. And for some of you, you may be here. In fact, maybe this is your first time in church or first time watching online and you're like, I don't know this whole Christian thing. Listen, I'm thrilled that you're here. Uh, In fact, we want to be a church where the people who don't have to be convinced can actually belong, Uh, and and you can kind of go on your own spiritual journey. And so if that's you tonight, I'm just thrilled that you're here, and I'm proud of you for owning your spiritual journey, and we want to be a place where you can begin to investigate this Jesus, this gift of Christmas that we're going to talk about. And and we've been in this series looking at a couple different things, that in Luke chapter two is kind of the, the... the famous narrative, Charlie Brown made it famous, and, and really it's been famous for a long time, right? Uh, of this, the whole narrative of the birth of Jesus, and, and the angels declared he was going to come wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. That was the depiction that we see in Luke chapter 2. Uh, But what we've tried to advocate even in this series is that Jesus came wrapped in a whole lot more than just cloths physically. And so the week one, we kind of looked at this idea that Jesus came wrapped in prophecy and that there are so many different prophecies from the Old Testament that are pointing toward Jesus, the Messiah, and that he fulfilled. And we even looked at the probability of how Jesus could even fulfill eight of those Eight prophecies, it was like this astronomical number that you couldn't even get your mind around. I might remind you on Christmas Eve about it. And if you missed any of this, you can go back and catch up in the app. But eight prophecies, let alone 16, let alone 48, let alone 350 plus. Like the probability of Jesus actually fulfilling those, of one person fulfilling that is just mind-blowing, which actually gives us assurance of the certainty of our faith, that our faith in Jesus is grounded in something that is certain. Now you may not be convinced of that yet And that's okay But the truth speaks for itself, and Jesus also comes wrapped in history, that you come wrapped in history. The reality is that you have a family tree, you have a dynamic that was a part of your growing up experience, whatever country you were in for that, whatever family dynamic that you had, whether that was good and positive or whether that was broken and you came through some things and you've got the scars to tell about it, whether it's history of things, of choices that you've made or history of choices that have been made for you that we all come wrapped in history, the reality. And Jesus steps into this moment as the gift of Christmas, into a historical moment. In a moment that was filled with a lot of hostility, in a moment where the nation of Israel is kind of being dominated by the nation of Rome. And Rome is this empire that's over so much of the world and squishing kind of the people of Israel. And they just want the oppressor to be thrown off and Jesus into this moment begins to show up that so much of the gospel, uh, what we talk about is the gospel, the, this story of Jesus, that his life and his death and his resurrection, so much of that story got to go out into the actual world because of the Roman roads, because of how Rome was in power and the way they established the world at that current time, that the road system they even created allowed news to travel in a way that had never been known prior to that. And so into the specific, moment we see that Jesus comes and that God says, this is the reality of this, and I have him at this precise moment. In fact, Paul kind of talks about this in Galatians 4. He says, but when the right time came, God sent his son. Born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. This theme of adoption is so prevalent through the New Testament, that at just the right time, the set time in history, Jesus arrives. So he comes wrapped in prophecy, he comes wrapped in history, and tonight I want us to look into the beautiful reality that Jesus comes wrapped in a little bit of mystery. And it's not always totally clear. And yet it becomes more clear in the life of Jesus and who he is. And so toward the tail end of this message, we're going to take communion together. And so we have a table in the the balcony, we have a couple tables down here, so if you are a follower of Jesus, you'd like to take communion with us, I invite you, you can go get that and be prepared uh, to join us in that toward the tail end of this message. Uh, The truth is, we can trust God's timing, his timing is perfect, but we can't live without the mystery that surrounds Jesus a little bit in the Incarnation. If you took away the mystery, there would be nothing indescribable about Jesus. And yet, that's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Maybe the best verse for a Christmas verse is not found in a Christmas narrative, but this indescribable gift. In fact, Paul invents a word here. It's the first time it's used in literature, and we don't see it elsewhere in this moment of history. And he says, I don't even know fully how to get my mind around how to describe to you who Jesus is, all of who he is. He's he's indescribable. And so this gift of Christmas is so grand, and yet it's so beautiful, and it's still wrapped a little bit in mystery. You have a prophetic word from Isaiah and Micah and Zephaniah and Zechariah and Malachi and John the Baptizer and a host of others who are saying, hey, the Messiah is coming, be ready. This gift is going to be delivered. History is unfolding. The Roman world had come into power and they were squishing the lives of the people of Israel. They were oppressing them. And amidst the oppression, Israel is wondering and calling out for the Messiah to be this bright, um, shining armor guy on a white horse that's going to come in and overthrow Rome. That's what they wanted. That's what they were calling for. That's what they were asking God for. Does God deliver that? No. He doesn't. He delivers himself, he delivers a savior as a baby. Like, if you were writing this story, and if I was writing this story, this is not how you would write the story. That if the people are being oppressed, you would send a savior, but a savior would be on a white horse, he'd be a knight in shining armor, he, he, he or she would be someone that would come and bring deliverance, and yet Jesus comes as an infant. Total Humility. Uh, lacking anything, but what we do know is that baby didn't stay a baby. Th- that baby grows up, and-, and there's something about his life. God becomes visible in human form, not as a conqueror, but as an infant. Never before has this happened, never again does it happen. God, uh, his son in spirit form, and yet he has to pay the price for the bigger enemy that people didn't even know they had at the moment, this enemy called sin and death. Death. Greater than a nation oppressing. It's this force that's oppressing people, this reality of death known, of separation from God. So, how does this indescribable presence and deity come to earth and not yet get contaminated? He has to be fully man and fully God, this mystery of the incarnation. It's never existed before into this moment. Father God, the Son, the Spirit are co-eternal, co-existent, co-equal and they come to an indescribable decision and this is what it says in the Gospel of John verse 14 of chapter one. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how Jesus shows up. We understand the narrative of the Christmas story mostly from Matthew's perspective and his gospel account, or from Luke's account and his uh, his gospel of what he talks about, the narrative that unfolds, but I would argue that John, the gospel account of the author John, actually begins to go back to the creation of all things and begins to put Jesus in place and it's actually a little bit of a mystery. What's beautiful, and you see, if you look through the Old Testament, is you see people trying to describe God in so many different ways in the Old Testament. So many different word pictures or images that say, this is what God is like, this is what God is like, this is what God's like, but the reality is that all of those things put together don't really fully capture it or allow you to get your arms full around who God is and what he's truly like. There's glimpses, there's pieces, there's, there's inklings into it, but it's not a full, clear description of everything of who God is and what he's like. And yet the Old Testament is pointing somewhere. It's pointing to someone, this Jesus, this gift of Christmas. God became man. Now, we say that phrase, and we talk about the incarnation, which is just, if you're new to church, it's a big $10 theology word that basically says, listen, God in a bod. That's what it is. That's what it means, that God put on a body and came down here, and he dwelt among us. God didn't stand in heaven and say, you all figure out how to get here. He didn't send a plan and say, okay, you all follow the plan and be perfect in it. What he sent was a savior because he knew we could never follow a plan to actually make our way into relationship with him. So he didn't send an example, he sent himself. And it's Jesus shows up into this, God became a man, undiminished deity, took upon himself perfect humanity, linking the two natures together in one personality housed in one unique body. The God-man was delivered. No less deity, no less humanity, in one person, in one body, for one time only. See, we we think we understand it, but friend, I'm trying to help you understand the mystery behind that. Is it's pretty hard to get your mind around that it's only happened. There is a little bit of mystery to it. Charles Wesley wrote this anthem. He talks about Christ by highest heavens adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come offspring of the virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. God See, the gift of Christmas is Jesus came wrapped not just in prophecy, not just in the history of the moment, but wrapped a little bit in mystery, trying to get our minds around and help us see. The Gospel of John records it this way. Verses 1 through 5 says this, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word is Jesus. In the beginning the Word existed. How did the whole beginning of the Bible start? In the beginning, God said. John's actually painting a picture back to how everything started. In the beginning, the word was there. Jesus was there. The word was with God. The word was God. He's not a creation of God. He is God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everyone or everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone, not just someone's, but a light available to everyone, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will never extinguish it. There isn't his light that's going to be extinguished at some point. It's it's never going to end. And so this darkness may come, but the light always continues to push back. John continues, he goes on painting this picture a little bit more of who Jesus is. He says, the one is the true light. He gives light to everyone. He was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believe in him, to all who accept him, he gives the right to become a child of God, a reborn nature into relationship with God. See, the world, the people at the time were looking for a deliverer over Rome, someone to overthrow their enemy. Little did they realize that their enemy was far greater and far more expansive than a single nation that oppressed them. Our enemy of sin and death itself is an undefeatable foe until the savior of all mankind showed up. And then he paves a way that now through faith in him, we don't have to die eternally. We can live with God forever, no longer separated from him. John continues, verse 14. So the word became human and made his home among us. I love how Eugene Peterson translates this in the message translation. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. That's the reality of what we celebrate at Christmas is Jesus, God in a bod, moved into the neighborhood and said, I'm here to provide a way to to show He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we could see his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified, speaking of John the Baptist, testified when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before I did. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another, for the law was given through Moses. But God's unfailing love and faithfulness come through Jesus Christ. That's the hope we have. I love verse 18, the last one. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. A friend, if you're on a spiritual journey, I'm just trying to investigate who this Jesus is. Here's the best news I have for you. If you really wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. That's the point, that's what the scriptures are declaring. That's what the gift of Christmas, this gift of Jesus is shouting to the world. If you really wanna know what God is like, look at Jesus. It's what the whole Old Testament has been pointing to. It's what the whole New Testament begins to point back to. It's the pinnacle, the hinge point of all history. Jesus shows up and says, this is what God is like. God has moved into the neighborhood, and he has come that you may know him, be known by him, and find life with him. Jesus reveals God. Now, that might be a little bit mysterious because so much of the Old Testament was trying to give us pictures and inklings of what God is truly like and yet what we see when Jesus shows up is he's God in the body. He begins to show. And so much of the Old Testament tried to show. They wanted to see God. Remember Moses in Exodus 33? Moses prays to God and says, I just want to see your glory. I want to see you, God. And God says and replies to him, you can't see my face or you're going to die. Like, I'm too holy and too perfect. You can't look in my direction. That's what God is saying. Isn't that a little bit mysterious? It just speaks a little bit of the mysterious, the bigness, the vastness of who God is. Moses, you can't look at me or you'll die. Uh, So I tell you what, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to put my hand over you. I'm going to pass by. I'm going to let you see where I just was and that'll be enough for you. What? We live in a selfie culture. Like, we see ourselves all the time. All the time. How many of you are selfie professionals, right? Like, we are all about ourselves sometimes, and yet God isn't in that selfie culture. And because he is set apart and he is holy and he is perfect, it's like, Moses, you can't even comprehend fully. There is an air of mystery to me. And I can't let you fully see me because if you did, you wouldn't survive it. So I'm gonna let you see what I just was and that'll be enough for you. Or the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 19. Elijah has been on the run. He's been working for the Lord. He's, He's drained emotionally and he says, God, I just need to be reminded of who you are. And God says, listen, you go outside and I'm gonna show up. And he shows up not in this crazy fire that happens around Elijah, not in an earthquake that happens or a violent wind that breaks rocks apart, but in a still, small whisper. God says, I'm here, Elijah. I'm, I'm, I'm letting my activity, my presence be known and sensed, and I'm here. And I, I probably don't show up the way you think I would. And so we have, I'll let you know where I just was, and I have a whisper. And yet, other portions we see throughout the scriptures in God in blazing display of who he is. And so, how do we really fully begin to understand this? It's Jesus. The gift of Christmas is the gift of Jesus. That now we can see God clearly because he shows up himself. God the Son puts on a body, and he comes as a baby. And it's hard to even get our mind around that. This incarnation, fully God, fully man, and the dwelling of that in one person. It's what causes the Apostle Paul later to write in the book of Colossians these words. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created things on heaven and earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have full supremacy. He's a big deal. It's what Paul is saying. And then verse 19, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness, not some of his fullness, not a third of his fullness, not half of his fullness, not three-fifths of his fullness, all of his fullness dwell in him. Jesus is God in a bod. That's the beauty of what we celebrate at Christmas. The incarnation is this beautiful, mysterious work of God. He arrives on the scene. And how does he arrive on the scene? Is it with great fanfare where everybody in the world recognizes and sees? No. He arrives as an infant. Like, that's not how you would write the story. Think Lord of the Rings, right? Like, you're thinking a giant battle scene. That's what you would write in that moment. Not this Savior coming as an infant. What can an infant do? Listen, infants can make us smile, Right? Infants can make us cry, too. If you're a parent, you've been around, like, you know, like, sometimes you're distressed. But infants can't do anything. You do know that, right? If you put an infant on the ground, you know what they're gonna do? Lay there. For a long time. Like, there's nothing, they, their motor skills are not functioning. Okay, they're not capable in and of themselves. That's not how you would write the story. If we were writing the story now and it was a Hollywood version, we would do everything we could to create the fanfare and the broadcast. We would do so many things. We would hit the extra hype machine, but there was no hype machine that God sent. There was no ad campaign that he did. There was no mass mailing or social media plug that he did. He just sent an infant. He sent himself God and a bot. And now, what we do know through the Jesus story is that's not that's the beginning of the Jesus story. It's not the end of the Jesus story. In fact, the Jesus story really has no end. But the story begins to go on and unfold. What we see in that night is he's just another baby born in the Middle East. If you were a Gentile and not a Jew, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't have even heard anything. Like, there was no fanfare about it. He was a baby silently delivered. The nursery was a common stable. The cradle was a feeding trough. The first cries were heard only by a mother who was cleaning him up and probably a bewildered husband who stood watching by, watching it all happen. And a few common livestock animals. The stable. Like, that's how it happened. When God finally did decide to make it known, to introduce a little bit of heavenly hype to his story, he slips out to the countryside and he chooses a few average nomadic people who are herding sheep. Never once are they named. They're no-name shepherds. We don't even know their names. And yet the angel shows up and says, I've got good news for you. He shows up to the nobodies of society. The everyday people of society. He didn't show up for the elite. He showed up for the everyday people. The sinners, just everyday people who deserved hell. And if it were not for the grace of God and the good news of what we celebrate at Christmas, we would spend eternity without him. But because of who Jesus is and what he accomplishes, he announces his availability to all people, not just a few. Luke chapter 2. the the common narrative that we're used to. The angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly terrified. They were frightened. And the angel says, do not be afraid. What in the world is he going to say? Well, I've got good news that will cause great joy. In fact, in Greek, the word great actually is mega. It will be mega joy. Mega joy. I just think that's way better. This is mega joy, a news that's showing up that a savior today has, in the city of David has been born to you, this is Christ the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You'll find him wrapped in cloths, lying in a wooden manger, a feeding trough, and tucked away just over the hill, not a knight in shining armor, but a baby. He's in a feeding trough just over the hill, just a baby, lying in a manger. The angel is interrupted by a host of other angels, these angel compadres who chime in with their voices, bellowing the news. Glory to God in the highest. On earth, peace among men with whom his favor now rests. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. This is the beautiful, mysterious understanding of the incarnation. Jesus, fully God, fully man shows up on the scene because we needed him to. Because friend, you needed him to. I needed him to. And the enemies and the battles that we face are far greater than what we can even get our mind around. Sin has, is something that, it captures all of us. Death is the reality of all of our stories. And we would be separated from God, apart from the truth of what we can have in God and what he's made known to us. That faith in Jesus is what seals our relationship with him. There is no doubt, no unbelief. There is no mockering from these shepherds. They don't sit and say to the angels after they depart and say, well, I don't know if I buy it. You all can go... I'm gonna stay here with the sheep. Not one of them says that. In fact, in that moment, they say, we've gotta go investigate this news. They stepped into the mystery. And friends, I think there's a moment for each of us to step into the mystery side of God and his story, where he's inviting us to investigate the mystery of who he is. God coming to mankind to be known, and he's still wanting to be known today. And so they step into the mystery. They go and they find Mary and Joseph. They find the baby. And they begin to tell everyone the news. They don't tell it in their own words. They just repeat what they've heard. How do you describe the indescribable? Well, you just kind of share the message that's been true from the beginning of the story. Luke 2:17 says this, they made known the statement which they had been told to them about this child, what the angels declared over them. They shared with everyone within eyesight or within earshot. They began to share the story. That's why the Christmas story is to be repeated year after year using God's words time after time after time because this is the way where men and women can hear the story of Jesus the gift of Christmas. God came down to his people, Emmanuel, God with us. But he didn't come down just as a baby that stayed a baby. He came down as a baby that grew up. And Jesus' life and ultimately his death and then ultimately his resurrection began to point that this is how you can have faith with God. This is how you can understand who God truly is his deliverance of what he brings. During the Advent season, we remember Jesus' double descent. The divine descent to the manger, this wooden feeding trough, and eventually this descent to a wooden cross where he would die in your place and mine to take the penalty of your sin and your brokenness and mine too. And he would say, I love you this much and I'm doing all of this for you. You cannot separate his birth, and his death, and the resurrection. It's one whole story. And that's why the gift of Christmas needs to be the story, the beginning of it, yes, but the whole completion of it. It's what it speaks into. It's why the early church uh, talked about this. Uh, Carl Henry wrote, the early church didn't say, look what the world is coming to. They said, look what has come into the world. Friends, it's, it's, it would be easy in our day and age to take the stance of look what our world is coming to. In fact, there's a lot of people who make that statement. There's a lot of people who have angst and they have things that they see in the world and they go, I cannot believe what is coming in our world. And what the early church championed is what this church needs to champion today too. But, 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 but look who came into the world. See, what Jesus would say into this moment is not, look what this world is coming to. I think Jesus would say what he said elsewhere to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the fields. The harvest is plentiful. People are hungry for something more than just what they can self-create. People are desiring to drink of something that's more nourishing than just what they can fabricate and what they can manage on their own. That's why we are invited into this grander story, the story of the gift of Christmas, this gift of Jesus, that the hope that can truly hold you was born and has come that you might know God and be known by him. We continue to herald the same message. The story of Christmas is what Paul wrote. It's this indescribable gift. I don't even know how to get my mind around it fully for you to understand how beautiful and majestic and awesome Jesus is. But if you'll just keep walking in his direction, friend, he's walking in yours. And what if you meet along the way? See, for many of us, as people of faith, you had a moment where Jesus became real to you, where the picture of everything that you were trying to understand about who God is was found and culminated in who Jesus is, and he put it with great clarity. Now I see, and it was like a light bulb moment for you. And friend, for the people in your sphere of influence, that same story can meet their existence And be into that moment. The Savior has come, the Lord reigns, the incarnation of the fullness of God is here. It's why Richard Foster writes these words. There is enough evidence for those who want to believe in God. And there is enough mystery for those who want to turn away. See, Jesus came wrapped in a prophecy, friends, that is astronomically hard to even get your mind around what he actually fulfilled and a certainty that he builds in our faith. He came wrapped in history that shows us his perfect timing. You can trust God's timing. He came wrapped in mystery. And yes, it's hard to maybe even get your mind around fully, but Jesus puts on display what God is truly like. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Investigate him. Search him out. And in that process, He will be known by you. You may be in that journey and just beginning, and that's awesome. Continue to take those steps. You may have been farther along in that journey. For many of us, maybe you become convinced Jesus really is who he says he is. Then, friend, don't ever stop staring at him. Don't ever stop focusing on him. He is greater than what you can really get your mind around because there's still a sense of mystery of who God is, and yet we can know him because his son puts him on display to show us this Christmas. May you once again be invited to contemplate this indescribable gift the Apostle Paul writes, wrapped in prophecy and history and in mystery. Emmanuel, God with us. God for you. So what I want to do tonight is just end our time taking communion together. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is a practice that Jesus gave to us and he said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And so if you need to get some, they're on that back table there uh, at the end of each hallway. Uh, There's some in the foyer. If you're at home, uh, you can maybe get some elements to join with us in that. We're reminded uh, in the early church, this is a practice Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me as he writes, uh, the Apostle Paul writes these words to the church, and he said, for I've received from the Lord what I passed on to you. On the night that he was betrayed, see, Jesus didn't stay a baby. He grew up, and he preached, and he healed, and eventually, he went to his death for you and for me. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that's broken for you, given for you, You're to do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup after supper and he said, this is the the important seal of a new covenant. My blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins that you might be made right with a holy and perfect God. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. He is coming again. And so tonight, we take a moment and we take that bread, that cracker, and as you hold it in your hand, I just invite you to remember what we celebrate in this act of communion is a remembrance of Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection. That it's through Jesus and through Jesus alone that I'm made right with a perfect and holy God. It isn't about how good I am, or how much good you do. It's about what Jesus did on your behalf So take and eat when you're ready. We're reminded that he took the cup that night. This would have been the Passover dinner, something that the Jewish people had done for thousands of years. Jesus takes it one extra time, passes the cup around, would have gone around a few times, but one extra time, never been done before. He says, this is the seal of a new covenant. The shedding of my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. That as you put your faith in me. So as you take a moment and remember that Jesus went to the cross for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, that you might be made right with him. And then take and drink when you're ready. Father, we do this practice as you said. You gave us a couple practices. Uh, the practice of communion, the practice of baptism. And we're gonna celebrate that here in a few moments. We celebrate this in a moment here, of remembering, a reminder that Christmas, this gift of Christmas, this gift of Jesus, is Jesus showed up, maybe showed up mysteriously in a different way that we would have wrote the story. But he showed up in his life and grew up and he taught and he healed and he called people to God. And eventually, he went to a cross, took a punishment for things that he didn't deserve that I deserved, we deserve. And he took that punishment. And then the resurrection proved that the check cleared. It proves that he really is who he says he is. God in a bot. Ain't nobody can come back from the dead, but Jesus did. Proving that he is who he says he is. And providing a way that we, through faith in him, can have life with you in this day and in every day moving forward. That's the gospel story. So, as we worship here in a moment, close out our song and our service, and as we enjoy some time together tonight, we we want to remember this gift of Christmas. May we all enjoy the gifts of Christmas that we get to exchange and enjoy that, and those are good things. But may we not miss the gift of Christmas, this gift of Jesus. We thank you for him.
1: he would take our frame the yard is
4: this most indescribable gift of Jesus come for you, for me, for each one. So I I pray that the gift of Christmas would be something that catches your attention, the glimmer of your eye in a little bit different way this year. And so uh, I want to invite you, if you are new or just around here, part of Elements, uh, we have two Christmas Eve services coming up this Friday night. It is on Christmas Eve, which is the 24th, Uh, at 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock, we invite you to be to bring some family, some friends. If you're traveling out of town, I know some of you are, may you have a blessed Christmas and safe travel as you go. If you're here in town, we'd invite you uh, to be here either at 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock. It's the same service, about 55 minutes. Uh, We'll all be family friendly in here, and we'll have a great time together celebrating Christmas together. Remind you that on December 26th, so a week from tonight uh we will not be in this room we're all going to be online uh and so we're doing a sabbath sunday and we've pre-recorded some worship and a short message we'd love for you to tune in you can either tune in during the face uh facebook uh youtube or through the website if you go there click watch and you'll see it uh we'd invite you back on january 2nd so enjoy a sunday off join us online only and then we'll be back january 2nd uh normal time, five o'clock, right here. Tonight, if you are new, uh, two things, I invite every one of you, uh, Josh, you're here. I'm gonna dismiss you, Josh, because you gotta get cookies, because your wife makes cookies. I'm telling you, if how many of you have had cookies before? You have not had Barbie's cookies. Um, so, like, we are having cookies and cocoa and stuff right outside in the courtyard, which is right behind this wall. Uh, and we tonight we've got a special uh, baptism. Trevor is getting baptized. So in about 10, 12 minutes, we will be out there. We'll celebrate together. Go get some hot cocoa, enjoy some cookies, conversation. There's chairs to sit around. We're going to hang out for about half an hour. So that's all. And then some folks will go to dinner. Uh, some folks will go home. And, and that's the cool thing. So we're celebrating a little bit tonight. So feel free to stick around with, with us for that. If you are new, I'd love the opportunity to meet you. We do a 10-minute party. Guess how long it lasts? less than 10 minutes, right back there in the corner, and we've got the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon as a free gift for you if you're new. If you've been around here for a long time, you don't get any. Uh, Deal with it. Uh, But we love you. We hope you have a great Christmas season if you're traveling. If not, we'll see you Friday night back here. We'll see you outside and partying. You're dismissed. We'll see you online. You can drive down and get cookies if you want. I'm telling you, they're that good. Uh, Or we'll see you Christmas Eve. God bless you guys. We'll see you outside.